This is Doug Hastings, Vice President of Moody Radio, and we're thankful for support from our listeners and businesses like United Faith Mortgage. Let's call it the couch cushion dash. This is the moment when you need a tip for the pizza man, a few bucks for your kid's lunch, or you can't say no to the sweet eight-year-old and her thin mints. But you've got no cash and no other options but to tear apart the house, searching for hidden money. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And it's funny how we can usually find a way to scrounge together a few bucks hidden around our house. Shame on you if it's from your kids' piggy banks. For many listeners, though, there's enough money sitting inside your home to buy a swimming pool full of Thin Mints. Home values have gone up across the country the last few years, leaving many of us with a good chunk of equity tucked inside our homes that we could cash out to use for life. If you'd like us to help, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. This is Ed Stetzer Live, and we are indeed live. We're actually live, not in our normal location. I have a joke. You have to be a certain age to get. I often say that we're broadcasting from a basement near Aurora, Illinois, which is actually true. It's just a couple towns over. It's a little reference to an old TV show. Uh, But normally we broadcast from Wheaton, either at the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center or at our studio out there. But I am, for the next several weeks, in Colorado. I mean, can I just tell you? And I love Chicago. And, you know, Moody Radio is right in downtown Chicago, beautiful area. This is why so many students love when they come live and engage and study at Moody Bible Institute. And where I live, Wheaton's great, but Denver has these things called mountains. And I have walked them, and Donna and I went hiking, and I'm actually here now for the next couple of weeks. I'm actually here finishing a book on uh, evangelicalism, the faith community that most of you are part of, its future and more. So I'm locking down, shutting it all out, and I'm here for a couple weeks, except for the joyous opportunity to be here at Moody Radio. So I want to encourage you, this is going to be a great and ongoing conversation. Next week at this time, we're actually having Christine Kane, and you'll be able to listen to our interview with Christine as well. And we're continuing our conversations here with Denver-based guests, which is just awesome because our, our friend Dan Craig, now Dan Craig's kind of the king of the radio here. So, right, he's king of the radio anywhere. Everyone knows Dan Craig. So Dan recommended to us today's guest. I've already gotten to know her some. We're very excited. She, is a, she has a book called When We Pray Like Jesus. Her name is Elisa Morgan. Elisa, welcome to the program. Yo, good to be yo, here. Yo, yo, I like it. And you're like a radio <laughs> pro. You, you've got your own radio program. Yes. And what is it? Tell us, the people may not know it. What's the name of it? Yes, we do Discover the Word. It's a ministry of Our Daily Bread Ministries, myself and four guys. And we unpack scripture together. We take turns leading through it. It's kind of like a small group Bible study on the radio that or so on a cool. podcast. It's that is so, so cool. cool. Right, yeah. right. I love that. On a podcast, you same with us. So if yeah. you want to listen, maybe you're driving and you're saying, I love the content of Ed Stetzer live go to edstetcherlive.com subscribe to the podcast so much of it's that way today and i do notice how you already broke out your bible you have your bible ready yo baby here yo (laughs) yo baby the bible we're gonna have fun today i can already tell so let me tell you a little bit more to our audience uh elisa morgan was named by christianity today as one of the top 50 women influencing today's church and culture she's authored over 25 books i'm a little intimidated by that including 
when we pray like Jesus, which is what we're going to be talking about some today. For 20 years, she served as the CEO of MOPS. Now, MOPS is Mothers of Preschoolers. Um, and and uh, that name, by the way, that name, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Mm. Because people are like, why is it called <laughs> MOPS? But, it, but it, people, everyone remembers, I can assure you. Uh, CEO of MOPS International. And I think we've had... Other people from MOPS on here. Anyway, uh, now is the president emerita. She speaks internationally, writes for our Daily Bread devotional, co-hosts, and I, I imagine a lot of our listeners have engaged our Daily Bread devotional. Um, co-hosts Discover the Word Radio, which you just mentioned, uh, radio and podcast, and God Hears Her for our Daily Bread ministry. So we're super glad you're here. Let me remind everybody that we are going to be taking your calls. And during the time of our calls today... We're actually going to give away, not just you call up and say, I'm caller number four, I want a copy of the book. But if you've got a really good, thoughtful comment or question, we're going to give away a few copies of, it's called, uh, When We Pray in pray Like Jesus, Courageously Honest and Fearlessly Abandoned Before God. Now, those things are not, you know, I don't know how to tell you this, but sometimes subtitles are sort of thrown at the end of books, right? This is not. If you've read the book, this is the central theme and premise, Courageously Honest fearlessly abandoned before God. So if you want to jump in, I'm going to tell you now, it's 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. So let's start some of your journey. You led MOPS for 20 years, now President Emerita of the group. Tell us a little bit about your journey there, that whole experience. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I have to back up to just growing up years. Please. I grew up in a family that was broken through divorce and alcoholism. And then this is why it's important. It's kind of ironic. And then my husband and I were unable to have children biologically. So our children came through adoption. So when I received a call from the board of mops to apply to become their first president, I was like, me, are you kidding? Wow. You know, you know, what do I know about anything to do with mothering? It is pretty much how I felt. Um, it, it is interesting. Mops was a 15-year-old grassroots-led organization. It started in 1973, and so when I came on board in the late, late 80s, um, it was well underway, but it hadn't been formalized. And I, what a privilege it was! You know, I, I struggled with um, should I really consider this opportunity? And I was in the grocery store in the checkout line, and you know, I looked around at all the other moms that were there with their kids climbing out of the carts, and you know, back in the day. They had on sweats and ponytails escaping. And, you know, it, it, today would be yoga pants and messy buns. But the same thing, the same mom. And I was like, Lord, why would you want me to? I know nothing. And he just kind of nudged me through the spirit to just look at their needs. And I recognized the same Swiss cheese holes in their souls mm. that were in mine. And it's like he just said to me, Elisa, just give me your deficits mm. and I'll make them your offering. You know, just... Just minister from a platform of vulnerability. You know, nobody else knows what they're doing either. Do you know God gives children to people every time who've never been parents? It just, it, you know, <laughs> blops my mind. And I think, why doesn't he give it to the grandchildren? I mean, the grandparents, because we know what we're doing, you know, but he doesn't. And so I just, I just unzipped my soul and wow. began to lead from everything I didn't know. We would say, what the poop is mothering all about? It was our favorite phrase. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Okay. Don't, don't send is me that letters. that okay on Moody? I, sorry. I, sorry. I'm, I'm I'm going to think it's like we have Moody Partners Network, the whole, the whole thing. I think we're fine. Okay. But because, I mean, gosh, I mean, first of all, I had to Google messy buns. I just found out that that's a hairstyle because I didn't know that, you know. You so, couldn't have one. No, no, no I couldn't. No. I couldn't. I don't have that much hair. Work, yeah. uh, I'm, I was, uh, for us, 
the uh, I remember uh, when I had preschoolers, I was asked to speak at a mops meeting. Thank you. So and uh, did you do it? I did. Oh yes. Thank oh yes. You. And I didn't. You know, I'm like really okay. So I went and spoke, and they did a Q and A after. And I will tell you that for the Stetzers, for Don and I, um, teenagers, I think, were harder. <laughs> but probably other than a few years in the teenage years, um, those preschool years were the hardest for us um, personally, relationally, the whole time. So the level of, uh, I mean, the exhaustion and the level of we didn't know what the heck was going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Donna, Donna's my wife, um, you know, amazing uh person, amazing thinker, just deeply passionate about caring for others and a great mom. But we were just like, we just needed help. Yeah. And and Mops was a gift for us and for so many others. Okay, the name though, the name mm-hmm. though. You must have at some point, someone said, are you really calling moms Mops? <laughs> so tell, and tell us what you thought about yeah, that. Yeah, probably every 10 years or so, the whole organization revisits the right, name. Right. Of like, why did we? But that's what it was born with, Mothers of Preschoolers, right. and the acronym becomes Mops. And, you know, every time when I was involved, and I think still, every time they consider renaming it, there was such name recognition. Oh, gosh, yes. That it yeah. was like, the brand value, if you will. Thinking, right. Yeah. Everybody knows what MOPS is. And I don't know how many, I mean, how many chapters there are. I mean, are there chapters? Is that how it functions? Yeah, they're chartered groups. Chartered groups. And how and many are there? Just, thousands? Just under 4,000. Wow. And they're in like 60 plus countries. Wow. So yeah, it's an amazing ministry. And one of the things that's, and I like the way you said, I do think the teenage years are harder, but you don't know that right. when you're yeah. parenting young babies. And so you build your confidence, you build your understanding, you build your humility, and you build your network of relationships. And what we hear over and over is those relationships for moms and dads yeah. are what then carry you through all the rest of the years. Yeah, no question. I would say, too, we just know from so much research, uh, not not even like Christian church research, but those preschool years are so formative. And, and, and you know, and the importance of in parental engagement and more. And how do you do that? And how do you deal with the exhaustion that's there? What are some of the benefits of a group like MOPS for moms? Well, absolutely. What you just said, um, you know, loneliness is epidemic, oh, and sure. we're not just talking COVID. You know, post-COVID days, it's um, it's epidemic in the isolation of moms of young children, whether they're in the workforce or working primarily from home, whatever they're doing. Some, so many of them are single today, but moms need the powerful relationships. And then I just got to say, of course, they need mothering expertise. Yeah, sure. But then, boom, and they need Jesus, you know, and, and that's what MOPS does. It's kind of like a stealth um, fighter that comes in. Nobody really realizes that MOPS is an evangelistic outreach. Um, what's presented in the MOPS chapters in the mama meetups, which are more casual, um, what's presented in their online opportunities and their Facebook groups, whatever, is Jesus. Yeah. And it's so amazing to recognize, gosh, I don't have to do this alone. I, I don't have to mother alone. Yeah. I, I can mother with Jesus. And yeah, and I think it's really key. People, we, had, we actually had the current CEO is Mandy Arioto. Right. And we had her speak at our Evangelism Leaders Fellowship because we recognize yes. MOPS is. As a matter of fact, the church I'm serving in New York City is uh, Calvary. Um, that's we were having a conversation recently about our most effective evangelistic outreaches. Mops is number one now. In New York City, thirty percent of our Mops folks have moved away since mm. the pandemic. So it depends, mm. you know. So that's we're trying to reconstitute some of those things. Aren't you glad you weren't the CEO of Mops during the pandemic? Oh gosh, you know, yes, <laughs> of course. I was the CEO during nine eleven. Yeah, wow. And we had a convention planned. 
international convention the very, like a week after 9-11, which we had to cancel oh, imagine, and pull yeah. online. And that was, as you know, not in a season when anything was online. No, wow. So we had the simulcast and it, it was a huge challenge because our major income maker was that sure. um, event. So yeah, I mean, but I think Mobs has done a phenomenal job to use the the COVID word of pivoting yes. to continue to yes. meet the needs of moms. They pulled stuff online and, and they yeah. created online groups. They, they created what was called a comeback tour. You can yeah. still go to the mops Facebook and access those resources. But you know, one of the things that I, I used to say, and I think I still believe is that if you want your church to grow and to be vibrant, and if you don't have uh, a lot of young families, you need a mops group. Yeah. And, and if you do have a lot of young families, you need a mops right, group. Right. Sure. <laughs> sure. I love, yeah, it's yeah. everywhere you need, but I do think it's really, you know, one of the things that we see is that as churches are aging and now, you know, the mothers of preschoolers are, are millennials, mm-hmm. right? So I'm a Gen Xer. So I'm like millennials now. And then you even have, you know, younger, you now begin preschool moms and that's the lowest engagement of the church. Yes. And yet what we find is, is that people do consider again, spiritual things often when they have children. So, you know, I was just down at uh, Outreach, our friends at Outreach mm, Incorporated. Yes, uh, love them. Yeah, good folks. Scott mm-hmm. Evans, uh, we had mm. lunch yesterday. And, you know, they know this is key things. How do we engage? So people, because I think sometimes people, you know, I don't have preschool children. You have preschool children. We're older than that. Um, and you could think at our age, well, churches aren't trying to target us. Well, here's the thing and why churches often try to focus on younger adults. They're the most receptive to mm-hmm, the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's very unusual to find a 75-year-old who comes to Christ. I mean, we want to share the gospel with everybody. But those preschool parents, they need help. Mm-hmm. They know they need help. They need older people in their lives who can say, we survived this. And so that's why MOPS as a ministry is so helpful. So again, I know you're President Emerita, but we want to start there because it's such a big part of your life yeah. and, uh, and your journey. But I, we're going to focus primarily today on prayer. And, uh, and again, I was talking to Donna, my wife, this morning. So um, people seem to have different personalities. And one of the things that really helped me, because I read all these books by people like you, <laughs> and you know they're deeply thoughtful and contemplative people, and and I'm not. You know, I'm I'm you know I'm uh, you know I'm an Enneagram Type Eight, if that means anything to our oh, audience and to you. One. So yep. yeah, yep. so you know, so I want to charge the world and change the world, and okay. it's hard for me to slow down. And to pray. Donna, on the other hand, I mean, she'd pray all day. She's oh, the most godly wow. person that awesome. I know. And, you know, and wonderful. So um, so here in this, in your book, uh, again, just remind everyone, the book is called When We Pray Like Jesus, Courageously Honest and Fearlessly Abandoned Before God. You lay a path before mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. looking at the way Jesus prayed and calling us to pray well, with some practical things we're going to talk about, but in similar ways. So why is that the model for you? Why that path? Why yeah. when we pray like Jesus? Well, let me let everybody know right now that I would never consider myself like Donna a huge prayer warrior. Okay. okay. So Helpful. just straight just up Just laying honest. it out there. Yeah, just full just, confession. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I struggle to yeah. pray. Yeah, um, me too. I'm like, I do a lot of arrow blurt prayers, you yeah. know, and I, I know God hears them, but I'll lose my attention. You know, I'll get distracted. I, I am a three on the Enneagram. So for me, if I can check the box that I prayed, I'm like, I win, you know, <laughs> yay for me. And that's really not what prayer is about. Right. So um, I, I just want to be straight I want to interrupt you because when, mm-hmm. when I was looking at the book, I thought differently. So maybe you've had some victory in the area that I need greater victory. So keep going. 
<laughs> and just to relate to you, my son, my son-in-law, and my grandson are all type 8. So oh, yeah. I get you. So okay, anyway. sorry. We, <laughs> yeah. that's, you might want to run out of the room right now. So. <laughs> or you might. Okay, there you good, go. good. Yeah, so this concept um, that I really focus on and when we pray like Jesus, you know, Jesus prayed a lot of ways. You know, he, he prayed before he went to ministries. He prayed when he was in, undergoing the temptation. He prayed lots of places, but there is a specific place in scripture that grabbed my attention. And it's when he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane the night before he went to the cross. And and what blew me away about this is this prayer is contained in three of the four gospels. It's mentioned in the fourth gospel, the gospel of John. Jesus prays the exact same thing Mm -hmm. in the three. And I'm like, why? And the other thing that caught my attention is that he invites his first century disciples. We know who they were to join him. Bless their hearts. They fell asleep. It had been a long day, a long couple of weeks. They fell asleep. They didn't. But when I'm reading this passage, I notice he's inviting us, the 21st century disciples, to pray with him as well. So that's what I wanted to look at. That's the specific prayer that's prayed the most times by Jesus. And in it is a kind of a model, a structure. I don't want to use the word formula because that's not fair, mm-hmm. but, but a reality that can we can pattern our prayer life after. Fascinating. And you actually, um, there's a coin involved, and we're talking about that in a little bit. I have the coin here in my hand. On the one side, it says honest. On the other side, it says abandon. You talk some about a prayer coin in the book. We want to talk some about that as well. You're listening to Ed Setzer Live. We're going to be taking your calls about prayer. Maybe you want to kind of walk that journey to be a person of prayer, an area we can all grow. Our number is 877-548-3675. Give us a call. Join us in our conversation with Elisa Morgan, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer Live talking to Elisa Morgan about, uh, well, about praying and about prayer. And maybe you'll have questions, comments about engaging a deeper prayer life as well. I'm always wanting to learn and grow in this area. I learned from Donna, my wife, and now I'm learning from Elisa Morgan as well. Her book is When We Pray Like Jesus. It's been out for a couple of years. Um, a lot of people found it super helpful. Our phone number, 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. Okay, so you talked about the prayer being in three of the Gospels, mentioned in the other. Tell us, I mean, give us details about this. Take us to the text. You betcha. Okay, I'm going to actually read from Luke chapter 22. Uh, It's one of my favorite versions of the prayer. So here, here it goes. I'm picking it up in verse 39. Jesus went out as usual which is a great point right there, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, it's a normal place they went, okay, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw from them, knelt down and prayed. And here it is. This is in verse 42. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, semicolon, yet not my will but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So each one of the versions, you know, Matthew and Mark are a tiny bit different, but the words, the prayer, and this is where we focus in on verse 42, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And I see in that, uh, that sentence that's connected with the semicolon, two sides 
of Jesus prayer. That the first side is very clearly, this is what I want, God. It's honest. Take this cup and we need to unpack how could Jesus pray that. But the other side is a side of abandon. What do you want, God? Not my will, but yours be done. And when I first started reading this and understanding it, I was like, pow, Jesus invites us. Well, actually, he prayed both sides at once, these seemingly opposite requests. This is what I want, God, but what do you want, God? This is what I want, God. And he prayed it three times, but what do you want, God? Honest, abandon, honest, abandon. And man, that has really revolutionized the way I think about prayer and the way I actually do pray. Fascinating. So I have the coin in my hand, mm-hmm. and on one side it does say uh, honest. And, yeah, because uh, I use the illustration that it's kind of like a coin. Yeah, tell me. A coin with two sides. Um, you know, it, it's a. I was thinking of what, are, what kinds of things are there in life that we could relate to mm-hmm. concretely to sure. understand this two sides. And I thought about a coin. We've got heads and tails on a coin. Hmm, okay. Well, there's the honest side of a coin then maybe and the abandoned side of coin. And, you know, we see a coin used in the Super Bowl or before different kinds of events, you know, flip that coin and, you know, where is it going to land? I don't want to cheapen Jesus' prayer in any way. What I want to do is recognize that that God actually forged a prayer in the garden of great heat, great struggle for Jesus. And it's a, a coin that, that was forged for his benefit and for our benefit as well as we pray it ourselves. This is what I want, God, honesty. Um, but what do you want, God? Abandon. Now, what we tend to think of is um, when we think about the prayer Jesus prayed is we go naturally to the Lord's Prayer, our you Father bet. in heaven. Uh, yet this is actually repeated uh, more than that. Um, and I, I think it, it sort of points to um, maybe in some ways the, the struggle that we have. And it's a, whereas sometimes we can pray through the Lord's Prayer by rote. You can't by rote get honest and abandon as well. So how would that work for you? So you're, you know, I've got the coin here in my hand. Uh, I'm praying. How do I work through both uh, honest and abandon in my prayer life? Yeah. One season of my life, and it was a season when I had just discovered this prayer, this, these two sides, um, uniquely, you know, and we do that when we read scripture, it's like stuff, you know, jumps out at us. I'm like, I've never seen that before, Lord. Thank you so much for highlighting that. So one season when it was being highlighted for me, I was actually, my husband had, had put me on a plane on a Thursday night to fly to Australia from Denver for a ministry engagement. He was supposed to go with me, but he had had surprise surgery a couple of weeks mm-hmm. earlier, and it wasn't a good idea to get on a plane because of, you know, blood clots, etc. So I talked to him. My plane was delayed in LA. I talked with him, got on the plane. I think it's like a 16 hour flight. It's super long. And I landed in Melbourne and I tell you what, I, I, you know, wheeled my two week size roller bag over to the side and checked my phone, turned it on. You know how you do with all the prompts. There were like 10 messages from Evan, my mm-hmm. husband. And I was like, Whoa. And I picked him up and he goes, uh, hon, just give me a call when you land. I need to update you on something. That's so, yeah. That gets your uh, attention. Uh, yeah. So I, I called him immediately. I didn't think about charges or anything. And he goes, well, I've had a little problem. I'm actually in ICU. Oh, well. Wow. 16 hours. He was totally fine when I'd left. So what has happened is he had um, a little opening in the incision from his surgery on his leg had uh, allowed some infection to enter his body. And this it just rampantly in three hours sent him into 104 fever and infection all over your body. I know people know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And he was in danger of sepsis and death. 
And, you know, here I am going, how do I get back? And, you know, I'm looking up at the, the board going, where's the next flight? And I didn't the, know that flights have to be refueled and they don't just turn back around. Like if you're going from Denver to Chicago, you know, it's no, you got to wait till the next day. So the, the wise people, our Daily Bread Ministries, uh, worked with me and helped me to video a lot of the things I had to do. And I did, I was able to eventually turn back. But Ed, during that time of crisis, and that's sometimes when our prayer life grows the most, I started praying the two songs. Yeah, yeah. God, take this cup. Don't let heaven die. Yeah. Not my will. What might you be allowing sure. in this? And over, you know, the 24, 48 hours it took me to get home, you know, and communicating by FaceTime every hour with him, I began to, to watch them, the doctors, identify the specific strain of the infection, therefore the specific kind of antibiotic that would help him. I began to see my children, my grown children, who had never tasted death with us before, mm. respond to their father in my absence in a way that they probably wouldn't have mm -hmm. if I had been present. Sure. You know, my daughter said, he's freezing and I want to take him a blanket. Well, you know, he had 104. He wasn't freezing. He was shaking. Right. How precious of her. Sure. And my son wanted to cook him home cooked food and take it up to him. It just precious responses. Again, not my will. What, what do you want, God? And I began to see, yes, God wanted to hear my passion for my husband to be healed. And bit by bit, I began to see answers. But yes, God's choices were to use this horrific event yeah. to shape us, our family, myself. So those two sides, honest and abandoned. And there is a space between those two sides in Jesus prayer. I talked about the semicolon or the word, but, mm -hmm. and I call that a pivot. You know, it's, it's like, if you're going to actually turn a coin over and look at the other side, Jesus prays, take this cup yet, not my will, but yours be done. There is an intentional pause, a, a turning in the opposite direction, a modeling of this is what I want, but I'm going to yield to what you want. And I really do want to go in there and look at how did Jesus, fully human, fully God, pray both sides? Mm. Because we think in other places in scripture, he's very clear that he knew his purpose was the cross. Yeah. So why in the heck would he go, mm -mm, I don't want to go there. Right. And that's something that we struggle through because we who belong to God probably feel the same thing. We know our purpose is to belong to him and serve him. And yet, can we pray that honestly before him what we want? And can we pivot and pray that abandoned like Jesus? Yeah, and I think that's part of the challenge is that we, you know, and I don't, I don't know if I don't know the right word is shallow, but maybe when we start praying, we come with a laundry list of things. Lord, do this, bless this, help me here, which I'm actually for that. I mean, I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that, but you know, in my journey and your journey, it's Lord, this is really, really need you to intervene, but I trust you. Mm -hmm. And there's a level of mm -hmm. struggle. Um, you know, I, I had a sister, have, have a sister, had a sister. You know, she died at a young age. Mm. Uh, we were mm. followers of Jesus. I was a you know, believer. What was I? Uh, 20. She was uh, a little older than me. Uh, we were called Irish twins, right? So pretty close in age, born within a year apart. A beautiful singer, loved Jesus, got this very rare form of cancer and sort of watched her die. And I will tell you, we struggled and prayed mm -hmm. and said, Lord, help us through this. Help us to kind of on this journey as well. And so I want to talk more about how that honesty and that abandon, how we trust God in the midst of some of those difficulties. I imagine I'm not the only one who's kind of walked through that. And maybe you want to join with us in this conversation. Our number is 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675.
Hey, we're back having a fascinating conversation. I'm finding it personally encouraging. I hope you are as well. Uh, we came right before the break. I was talking some about our own prayer process with my sister. Uh, we called her Betty. Elizabeth is her name. And um, boy, I just remember just the honest Lord. You know, and still, I would say, you know, this is one of the things when I get to be with the Lord, I, I, I just, I don't understand. You know, I'm sure I'm going to see things clearly when I see him face to face. But, man, we had all kinds of people praying. We were praying church. You know, we were uh, new believers. And I'd start sharing my testimony, start speaking at some churches. This was an Episcopal church. They had this thing called Faith Alive. And I was one of the testimony givers. And and my daughter, uh, my sister, my say my daughter, my daughter sings just like my sister. She's now going off to University of Toronto to be an opera singer. Um, so, anyway, my sister... Um, we prayed, we interceded, we laid hands on her. We had, I would say thousands and thousands before the internet, but thousands of people praying and honestly saying, I, I remember, Lord, I don't understand. And when she died that day, I actually was in, we lived in Orlando at the time. I got in a car and I drove to, uh, New Smyrna beach, I think. And I prayed and I walked up and down the beach and I argued with God I was, uh, I said things that God could handle, but I wouldn't say on a radio show. Um, I was deeply honest, felt disappointed, felt let down by God. And I had to get to the place where I could trust God, even in the midst of something that I didn't want to have happen. So for me, I see this immediately and relate to dark periods because this was a dark time that Jesus went through. But in your book, you make it, it's more than just that. It's a, it's a pattern you're calling us to. Walk us through more of that so we get a picture of people aren't yet in grasping. Keeping in mind that I have a coin in my hand that says, honest on one side, abandoned on the other. Walk us through a little more. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I think by our personalities, which we started talking about our personalities early in our conversation, um, we tend to pray one side or the other. You know, we're either like the honest type or the abandoned type, typically, you know. So I might be a person who just, God, I'm just praying this, this, this with all my heart, and I need you to provide a spouse, or I need you to save my child, or God, you know, help my puppy, whatever we're going through. You know, we may be an honest prayer, or we may be a person who prays with abandon. And so it's more like, Lord, whatever you want, you know, I am here as your servant. I, I trust you, uh, praise you, Jesus and glory to you, God. And I'm all for whatever you allow. Both of those are beautiful. What I think is unique in when we pray like Jesus is that Jesus prayed both yeah. at the same time, yeah. uh, repeatedly at the same time. And I think what he's modeling is a posture of prayer that is full out honesty, the way you described yourself on the beach, praying for your sister's health, her healing, and then full out abandon, um, which it sounds like you had a harder time coming to, which I do as well. For sure. What do you want, God? And pfft, help me accept what you want, God. Uh, Jesus, again, prayed both. And what I, what I have discovered happens is that when we pray both, in that, that space of this is what I want, God, but what do you want, God? In that space, I think a kind of intimacy is forged, mm. a different level of intimacy, where, because I'm able to access the both better. I use the illustration of praying for my husband to be healed, but God, what do you want to accomplish through this? And I had 48 hours to continue to pray that and began to see some results. I didn't just pray it once. 
I prayed it over and over. Oh, God, thank you that we've identified now the specific infection. And God, thank you that they're giving the antibiotics. Please make them work. Uh, Please let there not be permanent damage to him. And then I began to, like you're saying, not to see what he was doing in the lives of my children, began to see, oh, God, you're inviting me to trust you here. One of my favorite ways of expressing this is, is this sentence. And it's what the Lord began to forge in me. The way we wait, the way I wait, expresses the extent I trust the one I'm waiting for. Wow. It, how much do I trust you, God? And, and so I would go almost like the, the father in, I think it's in Mark 9, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. You know, God, I do, but help me trust you more. And then I would flip back over to, and God, I, I want to trust you more. Look, I just prayed another prayer. Yeah. And then I'm trusting you, God, you are going to help me. So it's this over and over repetition that forges intimacy. Uh, and I just want to challenge, you know, right. all, all the listeners right this second, you know, which one identify, which side do you tend to pray the most? And what is it that makes you pray that way? Is it something in your theology, your belief about God? He can handle it. You know, Ed, you said, I know he can handle it. I might not right. say the words on the radio, but I'm going to say them to God. That reflects a kind of theology of who God is to you. If you're praying only abandon, that reflects this. Well, he expects me to trust and obey. And the hymn goes through your head. And I need to stay on that side because if I slip into honesty, somehow I might be displeasing God. Whoa, that reflects something of our theology. So which, just be honest, okay, which side do we tend to pray and why? And then let's challenge ourselves to pray like Jesus both sides at once. Yeah, I would say for me, the honest is easier than saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to submit ultimately to what you have. But let's go to the calls. We, let me remind everyone, we're going to talk some about prayer, um, questions about prayer, maybe how you're engaging in prayer, maybe interacting some with When We Pray Like Jesus. Uh, that's the title of the book, Courageously Honest and Fearlessly Abandoned Before God as well. Our number, to remind you, is 877-548-3675. We're going to go to uh, Michael in Brandon, Florida, listening on WKES. Michael, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Oh, thank you very much, man. Uh, uh, my prayer, my question is, I how can I pray for my grandchildren and encourage them that this world, Jesus Christ wants us to pray for? Yeah, that's so you know, yeah, that's a great question, Michael. And we so thank you so much for your call and a great combination of some of what we talked about today. Boy, honest prayers about your children and abandoning and trusting the Lord to that. That hits close to home for all of us. <laughs> so what about Michael's call? How, how yeah. would you respond? Michael, thank you. Thank you for that super honest question. You know, I've got a grandson who's 17 and I have a grandson who's six and I have Another grandson that is out there in the universe um, in terms of he was relinquished through adoption. And I have another grandson who's in the arms of Jesus. So my heart goes to many places with that question. How do I pray for that? God's desire is that our grandchildren come to know him, of course. And yet God in his great wisdom has given each of us the opportunity to choose to respond to him, respond to his love. So if we're going to pray like Jesus, share your honest desire with God. God, please, I want my grandchildren to know you and love you the way I know you and love you. And yet, God, I, I want to trust you. I want to trust you to bring things into their lives that I might not want because how many of us come to know God through challenges rather than through smooth times. That said, after my daughter lost Malachi, one of our grandchildren, 
I actually felt led to pray strongly. God, God, I pray she'll get pregnant. That's what I want because God, I'm pretty sure she's not going to come to know you any other way through hardship. She's just broken down. She needs to see your grace and your love. And I began to ask God to reveal himself through something good in her life. And yet I would have to relinquish to Lord, if, if that's not in your sovereignty, you know, I yield to you. So I think it's just really stepping into the space of praying both sides at the same time. And then remember that, that prayer will accomplish those outer results, but the chief core of prayer, the chief motive of prayer is to change us. We who are praying, God wants to love you, Michael. You know, he wants to pull you up close to his heart and hear your honest, please. This is what I want, God. And also hear your trust in him. God, I'm abandoning what I want to what you want. And in that relationship, that conversation of both sides, he wants to love you well and develop greater intimacy between yourself and your God. You know, it's interesting to me that you, even when you say it, you said earlier that some people have, you know, I've got the coin here. It's again, I, I'm honest all over it. It's getting to the other side saying, Lord, I'm going to trust. I want to fix it. I'm mm-hmm. a fixer. This mm-hmm. is in my relationship with Donna, my wife. She said, you don't have to fix everything. I said, mm-hmm. but I got to fix everything. Oh, and so, so that to me, I, I'm really challenged by that side. Michael, if you'll stay in the line, um, our producer is going to come in the line and give you a copy of When We Pray Like Jesus, Courageously, Honest, and Fearlessly Abandoned Before God. Uh, another question relates to uh, kids and family and more. We're going to go to Edna in California. Edna, you're probably listening on K-Wave. You are live on the air. Go ahead. Yes, a uh, similar question. Just how do I pray for my young adult children? Mm. Thank you. No, great. All right to it. Edna, uh, what do you think? How do you pray to younger children? Oh, Edna, uh, I've got a lot of practice right there. Yeah, so. yeah me too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would pray things like, and, and this is, again, uh, very intentional, both sides. I would pray, Lord, help my children make healthy choices. Okay? That was huge for me. And then then they would like go diving down into a pothole of a mess of a choice. You know, even though I'd said, don't do that, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And then they would go immediately and make that choice. And so I would force myself to turn to the other side of prayer and go, Lord, they didn't do what I wanted. Help me to trust you that you're going to use this choice to reveal yourself to them. And then I would flip back to the honest of, but oh Lord, I pray there's no lasting consequences to that choice that they made. And I'd flip back to abandon, oh Lord. And I would feel like he was saying to me, Alisa, do you trust me that even if, if they do have consequences that I will be there with them. And I flip back to, Oh God, but you know what? I guess what I'm really concerned about is that people are going to look at me and think I'm a terrible mother. Mm. (gasps) Oh my, I didn't even know I was thinking about that. And he would go back. Well, Lisa, do you think I grade you by your children's choices? Or do you think maybe, maybe your responsibility is your response to your children's choices? And what I hope I'm modeling here, Edna, is this two sided intimacy, this, this conversation between ourselves and God, where I say exactly what I want. And then he, he encourages me to yield and he pulls me towards him. Now you may not have a a, a prayer coin that says honest on one side and abandoned on the other, you know, just, just find a quarter. Okay. And make, make the, the, the head of the president, your honest side. He's the human. He's going to express and then turn it over. And maybe it's the state on the other side. Okay. That's going to represent abandoned to me. But the physical act of turning that coin over makes you pause and go, whoa, I'm not, I'm not abandoning to God or whoa, I'm staying only on abandoned. I'm not 
honestly telling God what I want. That intentionality is what grows our relationship. I, and I love the tactile nature of this, though I will tell you I'm going to keep mine on honest. I'm going to keep mine on honest. <laughs> uh, and thank you for your call. If you hold on a second, uh, Karen, my producer, is going to jump on the line, give you a copy of When We Pray Like Jesus, Courageously, Honest, and Fearlessly Abandoned Before God. We're taking your calls about prayer, how to engage in it, and more. Our guest is uh, Elisa Morgan, 877-548-3675. Some great calls. Maybe join us, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. got some great calls coming in. want to remind you as well, if you want to give us a call in our last segment, 877-548-3675. Mentioned earlier, the king of Christian radio, Dan Craig, uh, set us up. So I've been texting him telling how awesome this is. Oh, I can listen to so you. You're not really day. listening to me. No, right? I'm not okay, at all. I'm texting Dan Perfect. during the breaks, during the breaks <laughs> yeah, for clarity. But you're talking to me during the breaks. Or at least oh, I wow. Thought you were. I'm in trouble now. Yeah, Let's yeah. go to Monique. Monique listening on WMBI, our flagship station, Oak Park, Illinois. Monique, you are live on the air. Hi. Yes. Um, I didn't catch you guys um, as soon, but I caught the part when the young lady said that, help me with my unbelief. And I say, mm. Mm-hmm. And to, I just want to make a comment to that. Yep. Timing is everything for us to wait. And when we just wait, you go back and say, that's why this happened. We don't have to worry about going through them different, difficult things, stages of our life, and we really wait because God is our helper. So I just want to say something to that because I was like, well, I woke up this morning with that in my mind. Help mm-hmm. me with my unbelief because he is our helper. He's the supplier. And it's like we we, we we so much rushing. We don't we don't want to wait, but it's in his timing, his timing. So I think Monique, you are so right. Yes. So awesome, so awesome, and so great, so great to have your call. What what a what a great call. And um, I, I am and Monique, if you'll stay in the line, we want to give you a copy of When We Pray Like Jesus. So I mean, that's to me the two sides of the same coin, right? We're talking about a coin. I got one in my hand, honest and abandoned. Um, it seems to me Monique's idea talking about waiting in the midst of that, these are not like quick flips of the coin. I mean, there's some waiting on this journey. Is that right? Oh, totally. I mean, we could do a whole program on waiting for yeah. heaven's sakes. We could do a whole series on it. And that's that's the whole thing, Monique. You're so correct. Waiting, timing, um, the space in our lives is probably one of God's greatest tools in our spiritual formation, our, our being wooed into a deeper and deeper relationship with him. I and mean, if you look at it, if you back away from our entire lifespan, you know, from birth to death is really a giant two parentheses with space in between. Mm. That is our walk with God, all preparing us for the hereafter, for eternity, for life with him, eternal life with him. So you are right on it. And as I looked at how, why Jesus would even need to pray, take this cup, not my will. You know, I, I really think we're given the gift of this honest and abandoned prayer in three of the four gospels because the Lord really wants us to see how very human our Savior is. I mean, he came with the purpose of going to the cross. He says that over and over, and yet he did not want to be beaten. He did not want to be spit upon. He did not want a crown of thorns to be thrust down on his head. He did not want to have nails driven through his hands and his feet. He did not want to hang his head and die and be separated from his father for the first time in eternity. He did not want that. And he said so straight up to God. 
And at the same time, he abandoned himself to what his father's will was as an obedient son. You know, the book of Hebrews in verse five talks about how the son learned obedience to through what he suffered. Mm. And we think, what did he have to learn? Yeah. But it, what we see is the full expression, the fullness of God expressed in Jesus Christ. Uh, so it just woos me towards him. And I, I grow such tenderness for what he suffered. And at the same time, I think, how did he flip to abandon? And I look at all the places in scripture, especially in the book of John verses, especially in the book of John, let me say uh, the chapters 13 to like 17, where he, he would say that everything the father wants me to do, I do. The mm. father and I are one. We are one. And that's what happens, Monique, through waiting. Our wills become honest. If we're honest enough, we bring forth everything we're concerned about. And God then forges us and shapes us to agree with him in our spirits and cooperate with what he's doing. Indeed, powerful, helpful. Monique, you mentioned too, Monique, you just started, like you joined late in the program. Let me give you an encouraging word. Go to edstetzerlive.com and you can subscribe to the podcast. You can listen to the rest and you can listen to each and every episode that we have. We're going to get, I think we're going to get one more call in. We're going to go to Gloria in Indianapolis, Indiana. Gloria, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Um, can you hear me? I can. Go ahead, please. Okay. Uh, I said my comment was I heard you talking about your sister. I unfortunately lost a sister and a younger sister and a younger brother. And as I was praying for their healing, it was like the Lord laid it on my heart that, you know, the healing that you're asking for may not be my healing and that, you know, I may want to heal them and take them to be with me, which is what he ended up doing. But it gave me a whole new perspective on how to pray when somebody I love is suffering with a disease. And, and so I've learned to be more intentional and say, Lord, your will, um, because, you know, it wasn't my will for them to be gone, but he took them. And so it was a, a learning for me. <clears throat> Gloria, that's beautiful. I had a very similar experience with a dear friend whose husband was stricken with cancer, very young man when he passed. And, and as I prayed this practice of take this cup, yet not my will, this honest and abandoned and flipping back and forth. That's where the Lord led me to is, yes, Elisa, I will heal him. Will you yield to me? And then I would go, honestly, I felt led to pray for my friend Karen in the possibility of her being a widow. And then the Lord would, you know, encourage me to continue abandoning. Do you trust me to husband her? And, you know, you just go deeper and deeper and deeper. It's a beautiful example. You know, we've talked about a coin. You can use a quarter, you know, and heads maybe represents honest and and the state represents abandoned. You can also journal to express this practice. Open up your journal to the two pages that face each other and write at the top of the page on the left hand, honest, and put the date. And write at the top of the page on the right, abandon, and put the date. And then write your prayers. This is what I want, God. Heal my sister. And then under abandon, oh, God, help me to trust you that healing may not look like what I want it to look like. Then go back to, well, what am I going to do if she isn't on this planet with me and go back to abandon? Oh, God, let me trust you. Help me to yield that you will meet this need that the relationship has met in the past. And you can go back and forth and you actually see the process in your own words of what honest means and what abandoned means and how praying both sides of this coin of prayer deepens your relationship. 
Wow. Okay, we got about a minute left. I, when I see the coin, I got honest on one side, I got abandoned on the other. What I want is honest on one side and answers on the other. <laughs> Yet those answers don't always come. Why is it abandoned? Why does that matter? I got about a minute left. Yeah, abandonment really does mean I belong to you and I trust your character. I trust your past work in my life. So when you're in that abandon and you're struggling with where's the answer, go back and look at other prayers you've prayed. What have you prayed for your babies? What have you prayed for your friends? What have you prayed for your spouse? What have you prayed for your job? What have you prayed for your neighbors or your parents? How has God answered them? Let his answers in the past reveal his faithfulness in the present and the future. Well, so thankful to have uh, Elisa Morgan on with us today. The book has been When We Pray Like Jesus. I don't know if I said this, but Gloria, if you stay in the line, I want to give you a copy of When We Pray Like Jesus, Courageously Honest and Fearlessly Abandoned Before God. Super helpful conversation today. It was challenging to me personally as well. So thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you to our listeners for, as always, listening and being part of our conversation. Next week, I will have Christine Kane and how you can find your way back to God when you're feeling like you're drifting. Let me say special thanks to our team at Moody Radio as well. As always, Courtney Young, our engineer, uh, producer Karen Hendren. Today it was, uh, uh, who was on the phones? I can't remember who was on the phone. Gabby Turku on the phones. Thank you. Courtney just slipped in my ears. To, uh, again, to hear today's program again, you'll find it at setzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. We'll see you next week.